Hello, and welcome to In Conversation With, The Lancet HIV's monthly podcast. Today, for the May episode, I'm joined by Hilke Varavin and Angela Kolbers from Radboud University Nijmegen Medical Centre in the Netherlands. Hilke and Angela will be talking to me about their study, Dolitegavir dosing for children with HIV weighing less than 20 kilograms. Before I speak to them, I'd like to highlight a couple of the other interesting papers in the May issue. We have a viewpoint by Nathan Ford and colleagues looking at whether nurses can help to scale up pre-exposure prophylaxis. Two studies assessing the immunogenicity of coronavirus vaccines in people with HIV. And most relevant to this podcast, results of the phase 1-2 IMPACT P1093 trial, which is looking at the pharmacokinetics, safety and antiviral activity of dispersible dolutegravir in infants and children. A topic we're going to hear more about now when I speak to Hilker and Angela. Um, so there are quite a few components to the Odyssey study. Can you explain what the study is looking at overall and how the component that you're, we've just reported in the Lancet HIV, how that fits into it all? Yeah, uh, I'll answer that, Peter. So thank you very much, first of all, for inviting us and for us to talk about our, uh, our study. Uh, our study is the Odyssey study, uh, which we're talking about, and it's a randomized open label and non-inferiority trial comparing first and second line treatment containing dolitegravir with a standard of care. So initially, LSA investigated the safety and efficacy of dolitegravir in approximately 700 children uh, with HIV, and they were weighing more than 14 kilograms. And more recently, or at, at a later stage, we added a cohort of children weighing uh, less than 14 kilograms. And uh, the paper that we're discussing now is, is part of that cohort. Just like you indicated, uh, Odyssey includes a number of studies, uh, of sub-studies that were nested within the trial. And the other uh, Odyssey sub-studies have been published earlier or are currently in the, in the process of submitting. And the paper that was published in the August 2020 edition of the Lancet HIV report the pharmacokinetics and safety uh, date of the children weighing more than 20 kilograms. Mm -hmm. And this sub-study provided the evidence to simplify the dolitegravir dose dolitegravir-based treatment to taking the one 50 milligram adult dolitegravir tablet for children above 20 kilograms. The way that our current study is adding to that is that in the current study, the pharmacokinetics and safety of the children weighing 3 to 20 kilograms are being reported. And uh, in this sub-study, we, we are using the 5 milligram dispersible dolitegravir tablet, and it's those in the WHO weight bands up to 20 kilograms. So together, these PK sub-studies make it possible to treat the children uh, using only two formulations of dolitegravir and safely and effectively. So the 50 milligram adult tablets and the 5 milligram dispersal tablets. So in practice, most children will be receiving uh, actually a 10 milligram scored dispersal tablet uh, that will be available in the developing countries, but it's equivalent to the dispersal tablet in our study. Right. Thank you very much. So looking a bit more now at the sort of the bigger picture and the background to your study, over recent years, efforts to stop vertical transmission has thankfully, you know, dramatically reduced the number of children who are being born with HIV, but transmission does still occur. Where is the burden of vertical transmission the greatest? Yeah, thanks, Peter, for the question and also for inviting us, of course, uh, to this podcast. Yeah, that's true. It is possible uh, to uh, prevent 
vertical transmission, uh, when we treat pregnant women with antiretroviral treatment, the women living with HIV, and we treat them, the vertical transmission is very low. But it means that we have to diagnose all these pregnant women uh, who have HIV, and we have to treat them immediately when they are diagnosed. And in the countries, the diagnosis of pregnant, uh, of pregnant women is quite good, but they also have to report to the uh, treatment center. And unfortunately, some pregnant women report quite late in pregnancy for the first time to the hospital. So at that moment, they are tested, and it might be uh, quite late in pregnancy. So we only have a very short period to reduce the viral load uh, to prevent the transmission uh, of the virus to the child. Actually, I have some experience in the dolphin studies, uh, which compared dolutegravir versus the standard of care uh, a couple of years ago in pregnant women reporting late in pregnancy. And I was really surprised together with our research team that we, that our recruitment went almost twice as fast as, as we expected. So that means that a lot of women still report late in pregnancy to the hospital and can only start late with the, with the, with the redu viral load reducing medication. Uh, so the time to suppress is very short. And of a, a total of 1.5 million pregnancies a year. This can be a substantial amount of women who are treated late or maybe even not treated at all. And that is mainly, as you asked for the, where the burden is, it's mainly in sub-Saharan Africa, I think. And for example, still in 2020, 150,000 newly infections uh, were reported in children between zero and nine years old. So it is very effective, but you really have to find the people and they they have to come to the hospital to be diagnosed. So it's not 100% proof that we can prevent it for every child. So therefore, we still do need robust treatment for the children with HIV. Yeah, that whole issue of, of finding the people, finding the people says that they can be treated, you know, is such, a, such an important aspect of, uh, of combating HIV. So, as you say, there's a, you know still really large number of children born each year infected with HIV. But treatment has generally for children lagged behind that for adults. You know, we've seen great advances advances in treatment for adults, but really that treatment for children has been lacking. What are the challenges in finding an effective treatment for young children with HIV? So I think the challenge is to provide treatment that fits the needs of children. So for small children, this may, uh, might mean that we should provide tablets that are swallowed easily and that taste good enough to administer uh, to the child on a daily basis. And also the formulation needs to be used in the areas where uh, cold storage can be an issue and where there are logistical challenges in general. So for example, the, the use of lopinavir-ritonavir uh, the liquid form formulation of that caused adherence challenges because of bad palatability. And in addition, it was not easy to transport and to store because of the of heat stability issues. And therefore, using dispersible tablets for pediatric dosing, like we investigated in the Odyssey study, is a big improvement since the dispersible tablets can be stored and transported more easily and, and once dissolved are also easily to, to administer to the child. 
So minimizing the number of different formulations required to treat children also makes it easier for country programs to stock up on the right medication. So in the Odyssey trial, we ended up only having to use these two formulations. So of course, the dose of the drug also needs to be right in children. And uh, in developing children, this means that the formulation also needs to be scalable to provide the right dose to children of different ages and weights. And this is something uh, the dispersible tablet is also uh, good at doing. Right. Thank you for that. So now to your to your current current publication. What would you say are the key findings in this in this new component of the Odyssey study? Yeah, that's the most important question, I think. So actually before the study, as Hilke also said, we did not know which dose of Dolyatekovir should be given to. Uh, the children, to, to, to the smallest children, actually. And we did not have an adequate formulation available. So we didn't have an oral liquid or anything. So Vive has developed this dispersible tablet with five milligrams dolitegravir, and you can dissolve it in water and easily administer in different doses, as was uh, also, also said by Hilke in the previous, uh, on the previous question. In the Odyssey study, in this PK sub-study, we confirmed that the doses we tested in the Odyssey trial for the children from four weeks of age and weighing three to 20 kilograms resulted in adequate plasma concentrations of, of dolyategravir. And we think that the, the plasma concentrations are a sort of surrogate also for efficacy. So we want the plasma concentrations to be high enough to be effective in treating HIV. Uh, in the study, we also used the WHO weight bands for our dosing table. And in the most of the weight bands, we saw a bit higher plasma concentrations when we compared these to the adults. So you would think maybe it's not safe to have a bit higher concentrations in children, but it was reassuring that all doses we tested were safe in these children. So we didn't see a major serious adverse events uh, related to the medication. And we also looked at, at the efficacy and that also was very reassuring. Another thing we looked at is that the children in the 14 to 20 kilogram group initially were dosed with the film coated tablets, so not with the dispersible tablets. They got a 25 milligram film coated tablet dose. And in a later stage, we changed that dose to a 25 milligram dispersible tablet. You have to know that the dispersable tablets have a better absorption. So from adult studies, we expected approximately like 60 to 70% higher plasma concentrations when you administer the same dose of a dispersable tablet to a person than compared to the film-coated tablets. And we confirmed that finding in children. So we also saw with the 25 milligram dispersable tablet that the exposure, the plasma concentrations, uh, were like 70% higher than uh, for the film-coated tablets. And what we also saw is that the 25 milligram, milligram dispersable tablets had even a better plasma, showed better plasma concentrations than the film-coated tablets for that uh, weight band. So uh, also in the guidelines later, the, the 25 milligram dispersable tablets were preferred over the 25 milligrams uh, film-coated tablets. So it was nice to have that opportunity to test this uh, formulation effect, which we, what we saw in adults, to see that in children as well. 
But really the key finding, of course, is that with the doses of the dispersible tablets we administered in the Odyssey trial for these children, we saw that we could adequately treat these children with dolutegravir. And it, our study is not the only study uh, that uh, showed that. Also, the impact group uh, with the P1093 study, they uh, also investigated this dispersible tablet in children. And the results were quite similar. So the results from both studies were used to register this dispersible tablet and also informed the dosing tables for these young children. So the new tablet and dosing table were approved by FDA and EMA, and they were also uh, uh, taken over by WHO. So I think that's the main, main key findings from this study. That's fantastic. And after sort of so long waiting for a treatment that was really acceptable for children and accessible for them, it sounds like these dispersal tablets were a really great, a great innovation and provide a great opportunity. Yeah, and in the in the main study uh, report, uh, there's also reported that the taste of the tablets was also acceptable. Mm. So that's also very important, I think, for the children. Yeah, absolutely. And and the the parents who have to administer the drug or the carers who have to administer the drugs to the children as well. I mean, um. So one of the aspects that's really interesting about the Odyssey studies is is sort of doing these studies in in small children, which presents all sorts of challenges that aren't there when doing studies in adults. Could you maybe talk a little bit about some of the challenges of doing of doing research in small children and, and how you adapt your research to address address these challenges? Yeah, so thank you, Peter, for that question. I think it's a really nice question uh, because it also makes um, working in this field uh, interesting and, and fun, we think, uh, and, and also challenging. So I think it begins in already in the trial design, so making sure the children are retained in the trial. Uh, so, for example, in Odyssey, we made sure that children that had or that that developed tuberculosis in the trial, that they uh, did not have to leave the trial, but they, that they could be enrolled in a separate sub-study. So things like these things, making sure that all the children that we enroll, uh, stay enrolled, and those things I think are really important. We made sure that the, the studies that we do are mindful of the, of the needs of the participants. That's sort of what we do. And also make sure that uh, we maintain a high quality of the data. So, for example, in the PK study, and uh, the children took their dolotography without food. And this we thought this could be a problem for very young children that uh, sometimes still are being breastfed. Uh, so for the smaller children, we were more lenient in restricting food intake. And if it meant that uh, the child would be retained in the study, we were more lenient in, in, in providing their food. In the end, actually, all, almost all children were able to adhere to the food restrictions. But the point is, I think, is to try to make the trial flexible enough to include, include all the children and, and keep them enrolled. And what is also important is that uh, what was key, in, I think, in the Odyssey study is that we, part of the Odyssey study are the pharmacogenetic sub-studies, and they are performed by very experienced research sites that provide input in the way the trial is set up. I think that was very important in uh, in yeah, making this trial success. So I guess finally, I mean, these are really great results from this study and the fact that, you know, the uh, treatments approved by FDA and EMA and, and WHO, it's all it's all really positive. But obviously there's now the question of, of making sure that these drugs reach the children that need them. What do you think are the key, the key aspects to ensuring 
access to these treatments for the children affected. Yeah, yeah, it is really good news indeed that we have got new treatment options. And you're absolutely right that developing new options doesn't mean that they are immediately available for the children who need it. So I think to make sure that these children really get this toluteravir, I would say that the main factors are low costs because the availability and uptake is only possible in the countries where these children live. Uh, they Most of the children living with HIV don't live in very rich countries. So the, the cost of the medication should be very low and the good news is that due to a co cooperation between Chai and Vive Healthcare, the, the uh, company that developed the Doyotegravir the, the disposable tablet, and also generic manufacturers, they have made it possible to make this medication very cheap. So the gene uh, generic manufacturers have developed uh, the 10 milligram disposable score tablet, as uh, Hilke already said in the beginning. And all these parties together, these stakeholders, they managed to uh, reduce the price for HIV um, treatment for children by 75% by introducing this new treatment. So uh, it should be easier to roll out this treatment in uh, also in the uh, countries with, in, with resource uh, limited settings. And another factor that is important is uh, availability. So mm -hmm. hopefully the cost will make it easier to make this uh, medication available. And then another factor, I think, is that it should be included in guidelines. Uh, so uh, WHO sort of immediately included dolutegravir in the guidelines as soon as, as, a, as it was possible for uh, children as well. And uh, I think this has been taken over by local guidelines in, in, the, in the different countries now. And Doyotegravir is really quite very quickly, rapidly being rolled out in the countries where these children are living. So I think it looks very good now for mm -hmm. Doyotegravir rollout in, the, in countries where the children really need it. That's great. That's a yeah, fantastic, fantastic note to end on. And uh, as you mentioned earlier and uh, discussed now, really, the job is diagnosing the women to prevent transmission and also knowing which children are likely to be affected with HIV and getting early infant diagnosis to find those children so that they can be put on treatment. Absolutely. Yeah. One missing thing is now the very young children. Yeah. We don't have doyotegravir doses for the for neonates yet. But luckily the, there's there's work being done uh, on that perspective. So hopefully we'll get that within a year or so. That would be fantastic. Well thank you both uh Hilke and Angela. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah it's been a pleasure working on your paper with you and uh yeah congratulations on the research. If you are interested in this topic, you should absolutely look at the impact study published in the same issue, and also previous results of the Odyssey study published in the August 2020 issue that Angela mentioned during our chat. Finally, don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts, and make sure you join us next month when we'll continue the conversation.